You are listening to a message by Refuge Community Church. Refuge exists to glorify God by making disciples that shape their communities with the love of Jesus. Good morning, Refuge family, afternoon, evening, happy Sunday, Friday, Wednesday, whenever you're watching. I want to take a second to say welcome. If you don't know me, my name is Josh. I serve as the lead pastor here at Refuge. And if you don't know Refuge, uh, Refuge is a new church in Southeast Austin. And we exist to make disciples that shape our communities with the love of Jesus. We do that uh, by living out three rhythms, connecting with God, growing with family, and serving the city. And so as a church, especially as a new church, if you're new, if you're just joining us for one of the first times, we would love to connect with you. And so if you do me a huge favor, jump into the video description here, find the words connection page and click that link next to those words. It's going to pull up a form. If you would fill that form out and send it into us, that is the easiest way for us to connect with each other. Uh, And more importantly, for us to learn how we can pray for you, how we can serve you, uh, and just get to know you more as we invite you into learning more about our church and what we do. And so again, uh, we look forward to connecting with you and thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Now, if you call Refuge home, you might notice that it looks a little different, all right? Uh, We would usually jump into our time in the Word, which we're going to do, but it would usually be kind of in front of like this this, white wall or something like that. Um, And instead, you're here in uh, my office room, right? And so uh, you might be questioning like why that is. And like everyone else, it's because the cold front has descended upon us, friends. And uh, the area that we would usually record the sermons in is like super cold right now. So rather than put myself through the agony, because I'm a Texas boy, right? Above anything below, I would say 60, I'm like, I'm out. So rather than put myself through that agony, we're actually just coming to you right here from my desk. And um, yeah, regardless of whether it's at the desk or regardless of whether it's in front of that white paper, if it's me, if it's Sean, if it's Refuge or another church, uh, I'm excited about the word today because the word is the thing that provides us spiritual nourishment. And so I don't want you to be distracted by my setting, nor do I want you uh, to be thinking about anything else because we have the opportunity to spiritually feast today and I hope that we take it. All right, so I'm excited to dive into the word. Now, last week we finished up our sermon series entitled New Mercies, where we talked about how the gospel really redefines the idea of personal growth for the followers of Jesus. And we finished talking about the tools of personal growth, or in other words, the tools we use in training godliness. And while last week we focused primarily on the scriptures of the word of God that points us back to Jesus and trains us in godliness, I mentioned another tool last week that's critical in cultivating godliness, and that is prayer. Prayer, this act of submitting uh, to God's sovereignty and authority with joy. And, And so, I mentioned last week as well that we weren't going to go in detail there because this week the entire sermon was going to be about prayer uh, and, and we're going to go into detail more about it here. Uh, and, and I know that hearing that, depending on who you are, hearing that today we're going to go through a whole sermon on prayer, it may elicit different responses. 
right? So just hearing that today, some of you may be excited because maybe you are like seeing the wave of spirituality uh, in our culture, uh, thinking things like meditation or yoga. Maybe you've had a goat on your back while you're doing goat yoga. I don't know your life story. Uh, But uh, maybe that whole cultural phenomenon has sparked some imagination in you and you're wondering if there's like some type of Christian uh, version that combines this modern spirituality uh, with the Christian lifestyle. And for you, it's like, what? maybe that's prayer, right? Maybe some of us are confused rather than excited because you don't know anything about prayer, right? Maybe your own prayer life doesn't really exist. And so this idea of filling a whole sermon with the idea of prayer is kind of confusing and you don't really know what to expect. Or maybe others of us are not excited, nor are we confused, but we're actually discouraged. Um, Because when we hear the idea of prayer, especially a sermon about prayer, we get Fear, we get filled with the fear uh, that we're going to be guilted and we're going to be shamed because that's oftentimes how we feel already. Thinking about our own prayer lives or the lack of prayer or, or our inconsistency in prayer. All these different views and attitudes and expectations about prayer. All of which, if I was leveling and being honest with you, uh, have, I think, deep flaws in their view. Um, all of them kind of these different perspectives. Yet, if I was going to appeal to you and say, here's why prayer is important, none of those views are where I would start. In fact, today, where I'm going to start in appealing to you uh, on why prayer is important uh, goes back to 1996. All right, way back in the day, this is your boy would have been five or six years old. uh, and, And a 1996 interview with boxing legend Mike Tyson. All right. If you don't know who Mike Tyson is, uh, he was a brawler known as the baddest man on the planet. Uh, he, he was most especially known for his like brutal knockouts with just his punching power. And in 96, he was facing an, an opponent named Evander Holyfield, who, although he was the underdog, he was also clearly known to be the better boxer. Maybe Tyson was stronger, but but Evander Holyfield was known to be the better boxer. He had better techniques, better speed, uh, better evasiveness. And, and, um, and people began to ask Mike Tyson leading up to the fight, hey, Mike, what do you think about uh, Evander's speed and his technique about his plan? Uh, and responding to one of the reporters one day, Mike simply looked at the reporter and said, everyone has a plan. Until they get punched in the mouth. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Friend, every one of us has a plan. Every single one of us has these places that we want to go, either geographically or like in our career or our life. We have the type of people that we want to be. We have the type of life that we want to live. Uh, And we make plans, assuming that we're stronger than we are, assuming that we can withstand the challenges that we don't know are coming, that we can't foresee, some that are right around the corner. And there comes a moment in life where life punches us in the mouth. And in those moments, the plans, the beliefs, uh, the, the assumptions that really went into building the foundation that we were walking on and standing on begin to crumble away and along with them crumble the floor that we were standing on and everything that we were thinking. Friend, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And I'm, I'm not an exception. I'm not telling you this to you. I'm telling you this as a universal truth, right? Right? 
Like, like we will all face adversity. Just look at this past year. If you asked me where we'd be as a new church or a church plant in January of last year, you know what I wouldn't have said? Streaming online church services trying to navigate a global pandemic. That's what I would not have said. Uh, you see, my assumption was that we had fundraised really well. We had the Lord had given us a lot of favor. We had we had fundraised a good, healthy amount of money. We had put together a great outreach plan to get people connected with our young church. We had uh, put together a great sermon calendar that matched up with our outreach efforts, and we had built an amazing team. Many of you, uh, which were were a part of. And so when when I was looking to the future, if I'm being honest, I couldn't see anything that was going to stop us because my assumption was that we were in such a good spot that nothing could. Then I, along with many of you who are part of the, the, the launch team for us here at Refuge, were punched in the mouth. Right? We were punched in the mouth trying to figure out how to navigate a global pandemic as a young church plant that hadn't even had its first service yet. And friends, I got a level with you. My heart in, in, in the months afterwards, even though I, I tried as uh, kind of uh, the lead pastor to put on a sense of like, hey, I think we're, we're okay. Faith, God's faithful. My heart was riddled with questions, riddled with questions of, of why this was all happening. And were we even supposed to be doing this? Had we planted too late or had we planted too early? Friend, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And the question that comes from that, though, is how do we respond? How do you respond? How do I respond? What do we cling to in those moments? Today, we're going to be in Ephesians 6, and we're going to take a look at how Paul responded when plans went sideways, okay, and, and, and what he clung to, and, and what, how he responded, and what he modeled, and the, the point that I most want you to take away, that I most want you to walk away with today, is this, that true strength, hear me, true strength comes from total reliance on and surrender to God. True strength comes from total reliance on and surrender to God. To help us uh, understand the text, I'm going to break it down into two parts. First, instructions for prayer. Okay, instructions for prayer. Because prayer, we're going to end up seeing, really lends itself to this idea of relying and surrendering to God. So first, we're going to take a look at instructions for prayer. And then we're going to take a look at a model of prayer. A model of prayer. So let's go ahead and dive in, thinking about the instructions for prayer first. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Uh, and we're going to start there. I'm going to read it out loud for us together so that we can work from it. If you want to read along, Feel free to in your own Bible. We'll also have it up on the screen for you. Okay, so again, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 starts like this. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Now, before we jump in, if you would join me as I just say a small blessing, a quick blessing over our time in the Word. Uh, Father, thank you so much for your word. I ask that uh, you would empty me of anything I would say and let me only speak your word. And Father, let us receive from your word and let it bear fruit, uh, the fruit of godliness in our lives. We love you. We thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. 
All right. Well, hey, the instructions for prayer that Paul gives us here, before we dive in there, I want to just set kind of the context, set the backdrop, what we're reading. Uh, when, we t- when we come to Ephesians, what we're actually getting into is a letter. It's not a story. It's not a biography. It's actually a letter, a letter written from Paul to the church in a city called Ephesus. And what Paul wants to do in the letter, and though we don't know why he's doing it or, or the, 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 I guess, context surrounding what was happening in the city or in the church, what we do know is that when Paul writes it, what he wants to do is connect this idea of God's gospel, the good news, how we're saved and how we're redeemed through Jesus, and to connect it to the person, how it impacts our personal lives, our everyday lives as followers of Jesus. And so in the first part, there is all this rich theology about how God saves us and and what he does in Jesus. And then in the second part, there is all this really personal application that goes into uh, more detailed elements of our life. And it's in this latter part, this second section, where at the end, Paul begins to cover uh, what he describes as spiritual warfare. Uh, being strengthened in God uh, to defend ourselves from the attacks that are coming from the enemy, from the world, from our own flesh. And he tells uh, the Ephesian church to put on the armor of God. Okay, six characteristics of our faith that, that are meant to strengthen our spirits and to allow us to stand against the attacks of the enemy. And it's at the end of this list of six things Uh, this armor of God portion that Paul shifts and begins to talk about prayer right here in verse 18. And you see, this is actually where things get a little confusing for us because when we read this list and, and we see it last, for us, we associate last with being unimportant. This idea of last is almost like barely making the cut, right? Like couldn't cut the top tier, so we go to the bottom tier, and that's where you are. And it's like, ah, you barely made it. You're, you're just not quite as important as the others. And so reading through our modern American eyes, it's easy to read prayer in this verse as being second to things like truth and righteousness and faith and the word of God, when in reality, nothing could be farther from the truth. In fact, Prayer in this context was almost meant to be a foundation for the rest of the list to actually uh, take place or to be at work in our lives. Um, I love the way Benjamin Merkel, he's a theologian and and Bible commentator, commentator, commentary writer, how he says it in his commentary on Ephesians. Check this out. He says, although the topic of these verses shifts to prayer, they are nevertheless connected to the preceding verses related to spiritual warfare. In fact, it is likely that these verses are directly dependent on the command in verse 14 to stand by putting on the full armor of God. Paul is saying that the means by which believers stand firm is prayer. Prayer should not be viewed as a seventh piece of armor. Instead, prayer plays a foundational role for the effective deployment of each piece of armor or weaponry. Prayer epitomizes what it means to be strong in the Lord. Wow, what a powerful description of prayer. The foundation, the, the, the uh, playing a foundational role in, in just allowing us to, to stand strong, to be strengthened in the Lord. Right, friends, how many of us even see prayer this way? 
I got to be honest, I often don't. I often don't. But Paul desires to create this image of how powerful prayer is for us so that we uh, can can feel the need for it. And, and in feeling the need for it, he then delivers six instructions for how to do it. So creating this sense of desire for prayer, now Paul moves into instructions for prayer. And the first is that he tells us to pray at all times. Pray at all times. There, as, as we start verse 18, he says, pray at all times. In other words, pray every time you get a chance. Uh, when you're doing nothing else, pray. Talk to God, right? At its most basic foundational, I mean, like, like action. And it, t- praying is just talking to God. And so talk to God every chance that you get. Pray at all times consistently, not just daily, but, but try to seek it out in the moments when, when you feel like there's nothing else going on. But second, he also encourages us to pray in the Spirit. Now, I know that this is kind of hard because a lot of us read this and, and we've been in different church circumstances and circles. And so uh, oftentimes we can associate this with uh, different teachings, that type of deal. But, but in this context, what, what Paul is saying is that we're to invite and be aware of the Holy Spirit at work in us guiding uh, our prayers. And even more so than just guiding our prayers, check this out, making sense of our hearts as we pray. What do I mean? Check this out. Think about Romans 8 verses 26 through 27. Uh, In Romans 8 verse 26 says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Come on. Friends, think about it like this. This is, what, this is how amazing this text is and this reality. Have you ever not prayed simply because you didn't know what to pray for? Have you ever just been like, I don't know what to say, so it's kind of like weird. I don't really know what, eh. Pray anyway, friend. Pray anyway. Pray anyway. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide our hearts, to guide our minds, to guide your heart, your mind. But when you don't know what to pray, just pray. Just talk to God, right? Because check this out. Prayer provides space for the Holy Spirit to interpret our hearts even when we can't interpret our hearts ourselves. Hear me, prayer provides space for the Spirit to interpret our hearts even when we can't interpret our hearts ourselves. You ever wonder why praying oftentimes leads to peace or to security or a feeling of safety? Is it because the circumstances circumstances magically change with one prayer? No, no, it's because the Spirit in His infinite wisdom uh, speaks our hearts to God. And even when we can't, He speaks our hearts to God and God works in our hearts through His Spirit to bring peace, right? That's the amazing thing. We pray in the Spirit. And so pray in the Spirit is second. But third, we pray Uh, by making requests, right? And 18 says, pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request. In other words, friends, pray expectant prayers. 
Don't pray as if you're praying to a small God who can only do small things, but rather pray uh, expecting that a big God who is able to save and able to hear is on the other side receiving those prayers and speaking back with you. Pray expectant prayers. And I'm going to start kind of blasting through some of these for the sake of time, by the way. Uh, fourth, he, he tells us to pray, uh, to, to stay alert in our praying, uh, a.k.a. be aware of what's happening. Right. Um, uh, friends, I, I think that the context of, of these instructions is important here, because remember that what Paul is talking about is praying within uh, the umbrella of spiritual warfare. In other words, being aware that there are enemies to our soul, there are enemies to our heart, and they don't all just live outside of ourselves, but one of our greatest enemy functions within us in that it is our own flesh. And so to stay alert is Paul's encouragement to be aware of what's happening. Be aware of, of what's going on in your heart, in your life around you, right? Like, like if you ever notice that you are being a jerk, right? Hit prayer right then. You don't need to wait. Hit, ask the Lord to help you right then and there. If you ever notice that the circumstances around you seem to be pressing down on you in a way that seems unnatural, pray right then. Right? If you ever notice the temptations of, of the world and of everything else are, are bearing down on your heart and your flesh is responding, go to God in prayer right then. Stay alert. The fifth instruction is to pray with perseverance, right? To keep on praying. Friend, does it seem like nothing happens when you pray? Can I encourage you? Keep praying. Uh, does it feel like it's pointless when you pray? Can I encourage you? Keep praying. Uh, does it feel like you're talking to a wall when you're praying? Friend, keep praying. Whether you see it or whether you don't, the reality remains that God is working through your prayers. Um, I'm reminded of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three young men in the book of Daniel uh, who were brought to the city of Babylon as prisoners and within like the first few weeks of being there, were actually thrown into a fire pit because of their faithfulness to God. They refused to bow down uh, to any image. They refused to worship anything or anyone that wasn't their God. And it was because of this faithfulness that they actually were thrown into this fire pit. And, and as they get into the fire pit, uh, the expectation, obviously, for everyone is that they're going to be burned. But but God in his power saves them. And for all they know, they're just looking down thinking they're supposed to be burning, but God's protecting them. And that's a miracle. But I think what's most powerful is what God is doing outside of the fire pit. Because outside of the fire pit, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, is seeing God save Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And God is moving in his heart outside of where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego can even see. And as they exit the fire pit, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, declares that only this God can save and allows and permits everyone who's come from Israel to worship their God. Right? Keep praying, friends. God is working in your prayers even when you can't see it. And the sixth and final instruction is to pray for others. Pray for others. Friends, Others need your prayers. And here's the thing. You need others' prayers. 
Like everything else in our faith, we grow with family. That's why one of our rhythms is growing with family. And our prayers grow the family. And the family's prayers grow us. We are meant to live in the context of community, in the context of a spiritual family. Uh, And we need the prayers of our spiritual family and our spiritual family needs our prayers in order to stand, especially in those moments where life punches us in the mouth. And so six instructions about prayer that, that are meant to reveal how important and how powerful prayer is. But here's the question, what are they leading to? Because yes, that is how we pray, but what happens as a result? Right? What is the goal in, in praying consistently and in praying in the Spirit and making requests and, uh, and being perseverant in our prayers and being alert and praying for others and, and being prayed for by others? What is the goal? Why am I doing this? Why am I trying to figure these things out? And hear me, this is where we turn the corner because I think this is, this is maybe the most powerful portion of the text because after laying out these six instructions, Paul actually makes a prayer request that I think really does model okay, what prayer does. Check out these next two verses in, uh, in verses 19 and 20 here in chapter 6. It says, Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. So having given uh, these instructions regarding prayer, Paul now solicits prayers for himself. And in order to know how crazy and how powerful these requests are, you have to know where Paul was when he wrote the Ephesians, the, the letter to the Ephesians. Okay, Ephesians is actually one of, of Paul's prison letters, uh, believed to be written during his imprisonment in Rome near the end of his life. While he was awaiting a trial uh, in Rome that could have easily led to his death. Yet, when he was given the opportunity to, to make a prayer request from those who are the fellow believers, the church in Ephesians, people that he knows, people that he loves, that know and love him, what does he ask for? He prays for boldness to speak the very message that got him into the situation in the first place. Boldness. He didn't pray to get out of jail. He doesn't pray that that the uh, that that the, the circumstances would change or that that the the trial would go well. Why? How? Why would Paul not pray for the things that seem so obvious to us to pray for, like the circumstances or like uh, his his sentence or his trial? Because in Paul's eyes. What he's doing is his calling. In Paul's eyes, what he's doing is his calling. You see, Paul was brought to faith in Jesus for this very reason. Check out Acts nineteen verse or Acts nine verse fifteen. Talking about Paul, it says this. God speaking, or Jesus speaking, says, This man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. 
I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. You see, Paul believed that this was his calling, that this was why he's here. In other words, Paul was in complete surrender and reliance upon God. Okay, I'm not saying that you can't pray for your circumstances to change. I'm not saying that you can't pray for things to go better. But what this shows us is that Paul saw his circumstances not as the thing that was needing to change, but he saw his life being entrusted to God's hands as the ultimate goal of his prayers. Right, Paul, through his own prayers and now through the prayers of others, the aim was to grow confidence that where he was beyond imprisonment was in God's hands. That that he had surrendered his life to God and that he was now relying upon God. And what came next was for God and the peace that he would experience in the situation would come from God. Friend, let me just say something that that it may seem obvious, but I want to make sure we get it. Do you want peace in the middle of of these fiery seasons that we go in, when when life essentially punches us in the mouth? Friend, surrender and rely on God. And friends, nothing reinforces, reminds, builds us in uh, a reliance and surrender to God like coming to him in humble, honest prayer. Even we don't understand. We just said earlier, the spirit creates in us surrender, right? Even the very act of coming to him in humility and in honesty, that act by itself, the spirit works in that act in order to continue to cultivate reliance and to cultivate surrender. Man, a a few weeks ago, it reminds me of something happened for for me in my heart a few weeks ago, which was... um, few weeks ago, me and my wife were having just some spats. You know, if if we have to put in context, we have uh, two children, a three-year-old girl and an 18-month-old boy. And so there was a season where we had two under two, and that was challenging. But uh, as our son has gotten older, he has just become extremely energetic. And oftentimes, even though there's two of them and two of us, the sheer energy level and interest in just tornadic energy of our son makes it feel like we are spread thin. And oftentimes that feeling of being spread thin uh, can kind of drain us emotionally. And as we're emotionally drained, it's easy for us to begin to bicker at one another. And so there was a a little chunk of uh, maybe like a few days or a week, a few weeks ago, where it just felt like we were kind of coming at each other, right? We were just coming at each other, just stressed out and coming for one another. Um, And I distinctly remember one morning being uh, outside and closing my eyes and hearing the birds chirp and hearing the wind rustle. And and this is a unique opportunity because if you know where I live, you know, like it's in the middle of kind of like a very inner city neighborhood, right? And so we got cars everywhere, that type of thing. And it was just a split moment where I got to hear nature in a way that's very uncommon for where I live. And in that moment, I began to ask God, God, uh, help me. Help me, Father. I don't 100% know everything that's going on in my heart, but I know that I want to have joy in my wife and I want to her to have joy in me. 
And I don't know what all I need for that to happen. But I know that I'm humbly and honestly coming to you and asking that you would allow me to have joy in her. And friends, I don't know what happened. But I know that it seemed like the rest of that day and every day since, I have been able to set aside those little moments where sin, and I'm not saying that I'm doing it perfectly, but there was just an an evident increase in that little bit of me that said, hey, have joy. Have joy. Friends, prayer, prayer brings us to the feet of a mighty, sovereign, authoritative God. And prayer positions our heart to rely and surrender to him fully. And most beautifully, it brings us to that point with joy. Prayer, friends. And so here's the thing. Having said that, if you're anything like me, um, this message at this point might have left you a little bit discouraged. Okay? Being honest, if, if I left it here, I wouldn't feel like your shepherd. I'd feel like a hypocrite. Because this prayer life that... that is so deep and rich that Paul talks about, that that leads to this deep surrender and reliance upon God, let me be honest with you, is not something that I have down. I gave the it, that wife analogy that I just gave, that was my best analogy. <laughs> that was my best analogy for this. It's all I could really come up with because it's not something that I have down. It may not be something that you have down. And here's the thing, it's easy to look at Paul and to see his life and his heart and kind of just start telling ourselves, well, I'll never get there. I'll never get there. I'll never pray like that. I'll never surrender like that. I'll never rely upon God like that. I will never find strength because I'll never be able to do those things. But can I encourage you, friend, this whole this whole story This whole section, this whole sermon was never supposed to make you look at Paul because here's the most amazing part. Paul's prayer was not the result of his own strength, but Paul's prayer was the result of another prayer. In other words, Paul isn't displaying perfect faithfulness in himself, but he's responding to the perfect faithfulness of someone else. Paul's devotion is just a response to a greater devotion. Paul's submission is just a response to a greater submission. You see, friend, it was Jesus who in the Garden of Gethsemane, moments before he was arrested and his subsequent subsequent crucifixion, prayed, Lord, is there any way that you can take this cup from me? This cup of wrath. And judgment, Father, is there any way that this can pass from my hand? But it was Jesus who proclaimed, not my will, but your will be done. And it was Jesus who took the cross, relying on and surrendering to God. Also, that we who have relied on ourselves to no avail, we who when punch in the mouth have nowhere to run, could now run into his arms filled with grace and safety and security and hope. Friends, when you think on prayer, friend, I don't want you to look at yourself. When you think about prayer, I don't encourage you to even look at 
Paul, friend, when you think about prayer, I hope that you envision Jesus and let his faithfulness motivate your faithfulness and let his surrender motivate your surrender and let his reliance motivate your reliance. That's where I want to end today. Because you thought this sermon was about you. Or maybe you thought it was about Paul, but no, friend, it's still about Jesus. True strength comes from total reliance on and surrender to God. And the only place that we perfectly see that strength is in Jesus. And so it's in Jesus' strength that we run to hide for security and for hope and for the strength to stand uh, against the darts of the enemy. It's in him that we find shelter. And so the only place we find true reliance and surrender on God Uh, surrender to God is in Jesus so Jesus is where we run friend be encouraged that God does not want to withhold peace and hope and security from you because you or I have failed at relying on him and surrendering to him no he offers it to you when we come and surrender and rely on Jesus who has perfectly surrendered and relied upon God And now through Jesus, he invites us to pray and to seek him and to run to him and to be uh, reinforced and strengthened by him. Friend, this is an amazing truth. That your prayer is not the proof that you um, are worthy to find security and hope in God. Your prayer is the act of surrendering and relying upon the only one who has perfectly relied and surrendered to God so that through Jesus we may find the security and the strength that we so desperately need and so desperately long for. That's the story of prayer in our lives. And so having said that today, I want to close a bit different. Okay, I, I'm, I'm running a little short on time, but I want I want to do something a little bit different. I, I'm going to pray a quick prayer to close this up. But I want to, what I want to do is I want to encourage you to take a minute to pray. Maybe it's right now. Maybe you're watching this on YouTube and you hit pause and you just focus in on prayer, right? Maybe you're on Facebook and, and you can't, it's on the premiere thing and you can't pause it or whatever, Right? Regardless of what it is, if you have to wait till after the worship and all that stuff, do that. But I want to take a second here and I want to encourage you to stop what you're doing and to pray. Just pray. You don't know what to pray? That's fine. Just pray. You don't know what to, 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 to say? That's okay. Just pray. Express a sense of gratitude, a sense of affection, a sense of love to God. Thank him for Jesus and what Jesus has done in the gospel. Invite him to encourage and strengthen your heart as we consider that we have now been invited and accepted into the family and the security of God through the work of Jesus' perfect surrender and reliance upon God. So I want to close up, but I want to encourage you, do not let today pass without spending five 10 minutes praying. Sound good? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you that the strength we so desire and that we oftentimes 
No. The strength that we so desire that we would never gain if it was left to whether we surrendered our hearts to you can now be found in the surrender and the reliance of Jesus. Father, encourage our heart that as we go to pray today, we do so through the power of the one who has done everything that we never could. Uh, give us the, the motivation to know that our faithfulness and our love and our affection and our uh, prayers are only based upon the truth that he has gone before us and pioneered the path in front of us that now invites us in to a relationship with you where you no longer uh, gauge your strength and your mercy based on our efforts, but now look at us with the full affection and affirmation of what Jesus has done in our place. We love you. We thank you. And I pray that you would bless this time of prayer for us as a community. We love you. We thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you for listening. We hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. 